You're listening to the KB Podcast Network. <laughs> Welcome to McIntyre's Next Level Podcast, a place for entrepreneurs, leaders, and dreamers to awaken and be activated to their full potential. Are you ready to get out of the boat and experience your next level? Here's your host, Michael McIntyre. Welcome, everybody. Michael McIntyre here at the Next Level Podcast, broadcasting to you live from Dallas, Texas, here on McIntyre and Studio M. And uh, man, we've got another we've got another ten by ten show here. Man, we've got us an entrepreneur extraordinaire, and uh, we're happy to have him in in studio. And we're going to be talking to him about. Uh, all kinds of things about Jesus, about entrepreneurship, about uh, defining your past, about what's next in life. And uh, he got to come to our MBA and he spoke and blew us away. And uh, they're still talking about it. And so uh, he's going to be on TED Talk soon. He's going to be on national TV and and probably all over the place because this guy is the bomb. So I want to introduce to me my good friend, my brother in Christ, uh, Eric Bavang. Eric, say hi, everybody. Hey, hope everyone's having a great day and wherever you're listening to this and uh, it's going to be awesome. I'm excited, Michael. I'm mm. excited. Man, I'm so glad you're here and I'm so glad we get to interview you. And uh, man, I I think I've known you probably for five years, is it? Yeah, yeah. So, you know, we came to Dallas five and a half years ago and it'll be six years from that point that we first met in the next couple yeah. of months. And of course, now I just moved back to Georgia, but yeah, so five and a half years. It's really cool. I'll never forget. I, um, I was over at Upper Room, and I know you guys came to. You, you kind of were watching uh, moments on Upper Room, and you guys got wrecked. And you said, "You know, we're going." I don't know who said it. Maybe Sarah said it. Your wife, or you said it, or maybe your one of your kids said it. <laughs> said, let's, "Let's go to Dallas." And man, you guys showed up. So I'm over in <clears throat> the coffee shop at uh, Upper Room, and I think you guys were in uh, some residency or some do, doing some. St- class or some school thing and so uh michael miller the senior pastor came up to me and said hey uh he he just came out from a meeting from your group and he said hey there's this guy over there man his name's eric Ravain. this guy he's got this side company and he made two million dollars last year he said we gotta talk to him i said great man let's talk to him he sounds like my kind of cat so that's how i was introduced to you and then uh you came through a uh, next level experience there at the church and uh Got to know you a lot better and found out you had some daughters and uh, we had a lot in common. And and the, the the first thing that I noticed about you, Eric, was your heart, man, your passion. Where did that come from? That's good. Um, you know, yesterday, I uh, it's been tense. I've been moving. I'm in the middle of growing one company, like in the middle of massive growth. And then I'm in the middle of launching a company that's about to go live uh, to the marketplace. And uh, I, I was under a tons of stress this last couple of weeks, like, you know, and I felt like that steam kettle where I was about to blow. And uh, yesterday morning I woke up and I can't remember what triggered it, but I just started bawling uh, in front of everybody, uh, my my wife, my kids. And it's always like this, uh, it's like everyone kind of laughs at me when it happens because it's out of nowhere. But I was, this question you're asking me, I was thinking about that a lot uh, yesterday because I was like, wow, why do I, why do, I do that? And, and it, it really is, I just believe like tears and feeling and emotions can um, truly, they're like a gift from God. And uh, mm. so I think, I think for me, just with my childhood and, you know, I don't know how deep you want to go throughout the, the podcast about that, but I think I experienced a lot of traumatic events. And I think, you know, of course, a lot of people do. And I still don't know the answer, um, but for me, I never, uh, bitterness wasn't something that I clung to a lot. And I found out later as I became a Christian that that was a really great thing, right? Instead of becoming bitter, I just was sad. And so um, it's not hard for me to be sad. It's not hard for me to cry. It's not hard for me to trust even when someone keeps wronging me. Um, And I'll tell you, especially as I develop, you know, like, coping mechanisms and addictions later in life, I realized one of the best ways that I can be free and stay free is to stay open uh, with my heart. Because if I start shutting, shutting off my heart and being in control, uh, I just start feeling like 
I'm dying and and I don't like that feeling. I don't like that feeling. So I just, I like to be open and uh, honest and uh, well, yeah, I love it. I I think it's one of your attributes and it's one of the things that makes you attractive. And uh, you know, I always tell people, you know, you know, vulnerability is the key is, and it takes a lot of courage to be vulnerable. And uh, you know, Jesus was very vulnerable climbing up on that cross, you know, and he didn't want to take that cup, but he did. And so, uh, um, yeah. And so, there's been a lot of times you didn't want to take a cup either, but you did anyway. And that's one of the things that really admire about you, Eric, and how you persevered. So, you know, we've got a lot of people out there that listen to the podcast all over the country, all over the world. As a matter of fact, <laughs> believe it or not, we're pretty, we're pretty big time in Pakistan and <laughs> places, uh, but uh, which is great. And w- I want you to share with people because you haven't had it easy by any stretch, any stretch. And, uh, you know, I cannot wait till you get this book written because you have got an extraordinary life. You know, uh, I kind of I look at you and I I see the movie Pursuit of Happiness. Right. Which yeah. I know you've seen. And that that's a watered down version of your life, you know, and <laughs> excuse me, fighting this cold. But how you came through that and persevered with dignity and with grace and uh it wasn't always easy and i know you had a lot of ups and many downs but the way you persevered so i guess my question is where does that perseverance come from because you've had it at a young age as well i mean even before you knew jesus but you were you had to persevere Where, where did where do you feel that that came in eric um yeah no i have a yeah i have a good answer for that and uh i think you know because i've learned right i used to think that I was the only person, right. That had these traumatic things happen to me, but I realized the more you listen to people, pretty much all people, everyone has some sort of trauma and also learned like not to rate people's trauma. Um, Mm -hmm. because we're very much like pain is, you know, it's like your pain, uh, severity from your perspective can be just as bad as my pain. But then like from the outside, person looking at both they could be like oh no his pain was way more but it's not like that like pain is pain and i think for me a lot of my pain just you know just happened to be situations where i i couldn't i couldn't save myself from so they started very early like one of the things that was really consistent in my life was being left alone from an early age mm-hmm. um i was kind of one of those rare cases in the 80s where my mom was gone you know a lot of dads were leaving homes but mom had the kid but in my life it was opposite. My mom was gone with addictions, didn't want a child. And my father was raising me and we were homeless most of the time from like zero to six years old. And, uh, so my dad was, you know, big into the nightlife, um, during those times as was my mom. And so a lot, I spent more nights than I can count probably in the thousands, uh, being left alone in cars. Um, so we would like maybe sleep in a car or I was living at his work like in sheet metal factories and stuff like that. And he would leave, you know, nine, 10 PM after I went to bed and he wasn't back until six, seven, eight in the morning. So, and, um, he even, he, my dad admitted to my wife, there was sometimes where I was left in a crib, sometimes upwards of 24 to 36 hours. And, uh, now that I have children, I can't imagine, uh, you know, like what kind of pain I was enduring. Um, so to answer your question, I'm just a survivor. And I think a lot of us as survivors, I just, I think perseverance isn't necessarily something that you, uh, self-discipline yourself into. I just think that you become a product of something. And for me, I was a product of surviving. (laughs) And I, uh, I know we're having, I'm having an internet issue here and I apologize. I had a text, I had to text my, um, no worries. IT team. Anyways. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, Eric, you know, product of surviving and, and going from day to day and being, being trapped in those situations that were like crazy. I mean, crazy. All right. So w- at what age did you get saved? Uh, 18 or 17. Okay. All right. And you're uh you're so you got into the sod business later on you became an entrepreneur and was it by accident you became an entrepreneur or was it on purpose uh so twofold i always kind of felt like i was going to be an entrepreneur i always felt like i had it in me to make money i always wanted to make money right and to make a uh to become different than my parents um 
but the way I actually became an entrepreneur was very much an accident. Yeah, it kind of, and it was once again through adversity, things out of my control. Well, they were in my control, but kind of out of my control. You know, I always tell people like my first real business where I was making a lot of money actually only happened because I got fired. Um, yeah, sure. I had businesses as a teenager. And even so I like you could go back in my past and say, oh, yeah, he's going to be an entrepreneur one day. But when like the rubber met the road as a young adult, where I had to make that decision to venture into entrepreneurship, it was by force getting late, you know, getting fired in 2008, 2009, going out thinking I could get a job and getting turned down everywhere I went. Uh, it was a big deal. A, yeah. And I had a mortgage, you know, I was young and bought my first home and dude, it was just by force, by force. I, I, you know, it's just a product of the situation, learning to survive, never giving up and persevering. And yeah. Uh, yeah. And so, and all right. <clears throat> and we've got a lot in common because we both were in the military, right? I was in the air force. You were in the army. Yes, so sir. what prompted you to go? Cause I love the story. What prompted you to join the, the, the army? Yeah. So for me, I was in the, the high school when September 11th happened. So it was like a thing when September 11th happened, we, you know, all the guys and, you know, we're, we're talking and we were in school and, and, you know, just instantly in our spirit, we all just wanted to serve. So for me, that was most of it. The second thing was, is that I was getting by cause I was very intelligent. So I could, I could pass my tests, but I didn't, I dude, I was at school maybe half the time I was screwing around. I was drinking um, I had no chance of getting any kind of college uh, scholarship. Um, and also too, being raised by my grandparents, I was raised by my grandparents from like, I don't know, like maybe six years old to about 14. There's something about the way they raised me that they never once mentioned college. Like it was never spoken about in my house. Um, same thing you see with my, like my grandpa went to college, but none of their kids went to college. And I asked them about it, my dad and his brothers, and it was never like mentioned as a possibility. So I never believed I could go never. I never thought I could go. So I thought the military was my only option. Plus of course, the desire to serve the country after what happened. Sure. And so you get, uh, you get, you went, you joined the army and how goes it? <laughs> it went fantastic at first. And yeah. uh, I was super high speed. Like, it was everything I ever wanted. It was, it was actually like contained discipline that I needed. It was what I didn't have growing up at all. And I excelled. Um, you know, I was like the leader at a, a basic training and I was put in charge towards the end. I forget what they called it now. Um, then I went to AIT, which was my schooling. And I, I did something that I wish, you know, it's still my biggest regret. I signed up to be like a telephone networking, switching analyst operator, which is just all fancy stuff for being like a phone guy. And uh, so I got really bored. And then this is when my brokenness came out. So all that brokenness from my childhood, here I am by myself in the military. And I was just super alone, super abandoned, super alone, super immature. And so every time we got any kind of bit of free time on the weekends, I was trying to date, you know, find a girlfriend. I just wanted relationship. Um, and so then I ended up going back to Georgia. I was stationed at Fort Gordon ended up staying way too late for a party. And I did about the worst thing you could ever do is I did some drugs uh, on one of the weekends I was out and drugs in the military do not mix and uh, lost track of time, came back late. And of course I got drug tested. And yeah, that started my process of just me having to confront some of those demons from my past. And so eventually got uh, chaptered out. I still got an honorable discharge, uh, got sent home. And uh, that that was like the beginning of the like volcano explosion of my pain. And of course it kind of went downhill from there too, after that. Right. And so uh, I know you had a really, really difficult childhood and, and there's a lot of people out there listening right now that can relate to that and, uh, <clears throat> and know the pain and suffering that you had to go through. Uh, but you got on the other side of that, you went in the military, which ended up being okay. Uh you know, almost it wasn't though, but you had some favor. Your mother, what I, I remember from your story was your mom was never around except that one time, which yes. helps you. Is that right? Yeah. And so basically right before in that middle of trying to decide if I was going to deal with the, you know, failed drug test. And it's so weird, right? Like I was so immature. I was 17 when I went in 
when I messed that up, it felt like my whole world, every, like this was a new opportunity for me to be in the military, like a new fresh start. And when that happened, that mistake, it crushed me. And I actually like left, I went, I went AWOL. And uh, what's crazy about that is that, so when you're in a time of war, which since the global war on terrorism, we've basically been at war now for what, 20 years. But at that time, you know, I knew and everyone knew that like, hey, if you go AWOL during a time of war, that's punishable by death. And I was like, you know, what am I doing? But I, I could only make decisions like within a 24, I, I couldn't see the future. I was just so broken and I wasn't saved yet, by the way, at this point. And so I was, while I was AWOL, I went visiting all my buddies in college. So I went to all these different colleges. And of course I was just getting smashed, you know, drinking myself into oblivion, finding drugs. Like I literally, I think I was like internally trying to kill myself with drugs and alcohol. And then uh, where my mom for the first, it's really the first time in my life, my mom helped me Mm. in a major way was uh, I was driving back to the base, I think, or I was thinking about driving back to the base or I was driving to another college town and I bought a, you know, 12 pack of beer. And I was like, okay, I'm just going to chug one after the other. And then on the way, you know, on this highway, once I get drunk enough, I'm going to find me a pine tree and crash my truck into it. So this is like an idea I got. I'm like, it's over for me because I didn't want to face the consequences of of going a ball. I was so scared of that. And uh, so I got heavily into the, you know, into the pack. I've got my radio. I'm playing every depressing song you can think of. And I would look, I remember I would look at a tree and I would like, okay, like I was like trying to get the fortitude up to just do it. And, and I, every tree I'd actually start swerving to it. I was playing with the idea and I get back. Oh, I can't do it. I can't do it. So I called my mom just crying, telling her how I felt, what was going on. And she really right then was a mom. And she said, Eric, you know, you've got like, she was like forceful, but loving all in one moment. And she's like, Eric, you've got to face this. You've got to go back and face this. And it's interesting. Like, you know, that's what I desired my whole life was discipline. I desired yeah, structure. I desired boundaries. I think we're yeah. all born with that desire. And I never had it. And so in that moment, uh, yeah, I decided to go back and I went back and I faced the music and uh, wow. so I walked in the door. <laughs> I was like, hey, and of course, all the drill sergeants turn around. They're like, oh, Private Vivang, you decided to join us. And uh, so, yeah, that was, oh my God. That was a pretty I mean, defining moment. To fa- and then once again, though, now that I'm thinking about it, like, where I'm at today at 37, that, I mean, having to go back on an army base after being AWOL for a week, Mm -hmm. like that's a pretty embarrassing moment. Totally. But but that moment like carries over, right? So when I'm the only person out of a thousand that'll do this one weird, crazy thing, I can look back on those moments and say, Hey, I did that. I didn't know. Cause you have to, you know, when you go on a military base, you've got the guards, you know, with the guns and I'm like, are they going to arrest me as soon as I get through the gate? You know, are they going to like tackle me? Are they going to draw guns? Am I going to be locked up forever? Am I going <laughs> to, am I going to be executed on national? I was thinking all kinds of crazy stuff. So yeah. Wow. Pretty embarrassing. I, and, he, and even to talk about it's embarrassing, right? You know, cause it's, well, no, I, I, I get it. I understand that. And I love your vulnerability in that. And so the, the military brought you back in and they gave you an honorable discharge though. Yeah, they did. Yeah. Cause they told me, you know, it was such a short amount of time. And I think they know like young people, like for me, it wasn't physical. It wasn't like intellectual. Like I was top of the class. I mean, you could talk to any of the drill sergeants. They would point me out. Like when we were in formation of 300 people, they would use me an example of how to do the uniform and on the PT test, I would excel. And, uh, but but mentally and emotionally, I was, I was a kid. Yeah. I was just so immature. And so yeah. they have room for that. That's kind of part of the filtering process. Right. Yeah. And uh, so they're not going to, they didn't, they're not going to punish me for life because of that. I was just mentally unfit. Yeah. yeah. Well, that, and that's a blessing, you know, if it's a different, a different air force that I was brought up in, but that's a good thing that they did. Thank yeah. God for that. So, all right. So you get discharged from the military. And then, you know, you get into the business Now, your first business really you got to get into, wasn't it uh, by chance? Because like, you, you know, uh, you were looking for a job and some guy gave you a job and drive a backhoe and you had no idea how to do a backhoe. Yeah. So it was a bobcat. So some people, would call it, yeah, some people would call it a skid steer. So yeah, I get, I um, actually like worked for this guy, I think for a couple months when I first graduated high school, like on the weekends. And so he was the only connection I had when I got out of, uh, got out. 
And so I ended up uh, calling him. I, I go to work and he's like, hey, you know, be at my house at this certain time or he would pick me up. And as soon as I get in the truck, he's like, hey, we have a situation. You know, he's like, you know, welcome to work. He's like, but our our lead man, our foreman uh, does, did not show up today. And so you're going to be the guy to drive the Bobcat. You ever drove a Bobcat before? I'm like, no. He's like, okay, it's easy. I'll show you. I'm like, okay. It's easy. <laughs> it's easy. And what's crazy about this, my very first day, and of course, this is like, you know, you hear this preached about all the time, like how, like, you know, God's just going to, you know, give you an opportunity. Well, like this, this thing happened to me, but it was so scary. We show up to this house, very nice house, downtown Atlanta. And uh, the we're meeting the owner builder. So this is one of the situations where like the owner of the home is the builder. He's the investor and he's going to live in it. So this guy is like heart is in this home. And they had just dug the basement and poured the foundation walls. And because of that, there's like two, three foot of, inf, you know, infill that needs to be done around the whole thing. And this property was so tight. And my job was to take this skid steer and just go all the way around, you know, get a scoop of dirt, turn and dump. I mean, one touch of that wall and it bust. And now this is like 30, 40, $60,000 in damage. So my boss is like kind of being sneaky. He's like, listen, like, you know, don't necessarily tell him this is your first day. Like, you can do this. And so literally I remember, I remember the, the, and so he drops me off with the Bobcat boss is gone. Like he's gone. And I'm here with the homeowner, the investor, the guy whose heart's in this home, and I remember him being so nervous. Like he was like literally just bird, like watching me the whole time. But I'll tell you what, like we talked about at, at the thing we did, the conference, um, by the end of the day, I was an expert on the thing. And then it went from you there. So yeah, I nailed it. And I became his right-hand man. Yeah. And uh, of course, as you know, he ended up moving me into his house and he, he fathered me, you know, th- yeah. for the next three years of my life. Well, I love that because that's the way God shows up sometimes, right? And you never know. And the other thing too is you had, you know, and he, for some reason, he figured you could do it, you know, and put you on this this machine and you did it. And I love that because, you know, it's good to have certain amount of fear. It's good to have fear in certain ways, but also sometimes fear will kill things too. And when it's coming from the enemy, you know, and we have natural fight or flight in our bodies, right? God put that in there. You know, if all of a sudden you see, you know, a big bear coming at you, you need to do something about it. You know, That's you're right. not going to go sit there and, you know, crack open a six pack and have a beer with the bear. No, you're going to take care of yourself. So there's that. But there's also this thing that you have and what God blesses us with. And I believe that entrepreneurs have this is that, hey, yes is an answer yes i can do this yes right. and what, by you doing that yes and by that guy giving you a shot he probably knew i don't know if he was a believer or not but uh he knew that you could probably figure this thing out because of your intelligence and your possibilities of just making something happen which you did so which i love that story and uh I, I think the whole thing, your whole life is a made for movie deal. I mean, it truly is. And, you know, I can't wait to see the book. And so, uh, all right. So let me take our, our audience here because I'm going to skip a few things. But you eventually start your own landscaping side business in Georgia and was very, very successful at that. Yes. Yes, sir. Yeah. And you were doing famous houses and stuff. Your business got very lucrative and you did really, really well. You employed a lot of people. And then, you decided to move to Texas and then you sold the company, correct? Yes, sir. All right. And so uh, you made a whole bunch of money, became a millionaire and got started in the stock market. Why don't you share about that if you can? Yeah. So um, running a service business was really tough, right? Like for me, it was the only way I had no college degree. I mean, I didn't, couldn't climb a ladder in the corporate world. So just doing construction, doing services was my path. That path was hard. Over 10 years, yes, I made a lot of money, but still broken in many ways, on the road all the time, you know, in your truck all the time. And a lot of service guys can relate to this. Um, so you're eating bad. Uh, you're, you know, you know, as an entrepreneur, you're working 24 hours. So my marriage suffered, my health suffered, my parenting suffered, everything else suffered except my bank account. Um, right. And so I, by the time I sold that business, I was done with the service industry. Like I saw no path for me. I looked at selling my business as the great escape. I mean, because I prayed earnestly for five, the last five years of that business to say, God, deliver me from this industry. It's killing me. It's killing my soul. 
So I got the money right. And then it just so happened to be, you know, COVID happens. I was having it managed by uh, like a wealth manager. And I've always had this ability to kind of see into the future a little bit. And like, you know, a lot of people call it a lot of different things, but I think it's just like, for me, I pick up on data because I'm very hypersensitive and it's a gift, you know, from God. So I kind of can see the writing on the wall sometimes months in advance. And so I knew that we were going to have a major stock market decline. You know, we had been running up for so long. This was just the perfect storm to send it downward. Um, and so I, I called my money manager and we're, we're still great friends to this day, but he was like, you know, talk to me off the cliff. He's like, you know, we're not going to sell it. So I got off the phone. I was like, wait, I prayed about it. I'm like, no, I need to, we need to sell everything. We need to, you know, sell it all. So I called the trade desk, had them liquidate everything, had the money transferred to me, which that was risky, right? Because now you're, could possibly be ruining a friendship. Um, and so then I took over my account. And just began this whole new look of like looking at the markets. It was something I was always interested in. Um, and sure enough, like the big drop came. I kind of wobbled a little bit at the bottom, but overall, overall bought some really great positions and then was able to four to five X uh, that money, that you know million and so dollars. So then I was able to bring that up to four or five million dollars. And that became like the new path, right? Because in my own ego, I was like, I'm the man. Uh, this is my new way of life. And this, and so I began to like, I'm going to create a, you know, big capital company and I'm going to be a money manager. I'm going to, you know, go to the office, wear a suit and tie and pull up in my Ferrari every day. This became, you were around me at that time. So this became I, like, I remember. I, yeah. It's like, I wanted a new lane. I wasn't satisfied with the path that God had brought me up for the you know first 30 years. I wanted to create a new path uh, for the next 30 years of my life. And yeah. Uh, yeah, and that ended ended in some different ways, you know, as well. Yeah, but I learned from it. Yeah, you did. And what what I love about that story, though, Eric, and and what you walk through is you're not the only one that's been through that situation. I've I've been through similar situations too. And you know, as an entrepreneur, we're risk takers. Yeah. And so yes. when you saw that opportunity and the market tanked during COVID, you thought, well, I'm gonna I'll, I'll come in here, I'll find, I'll research and buy something. Which you did, which you did real well. But you did one of the biggest things that that I've learned costly, as you have too. You fall in love with a stock, yeah, right, yeah, yeah. And it's the worst thing. I I did that with Disney. I fell in love with Disney back in the day, and uh, you know, I had I, I don't know almost a million three hundred thousand dollars worth of Disney stock, and on nine eleven, you know, that kind of tanked, you know, yeah, yeah. and uh. You know, I lost seven hundred fifty thousand dollars because I I was hanging on too long, and I kept thinking because I loved Disney. I you know we take our kids always there, and so I remember you sharing your story too on that. And uh, but I do also remember that you know uh, you 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 got humbled in that situation, which we all been humbled. And I think you know, <laughs> like the scripture says, you know, he who exalts himself shall be humbled, right? Yeah. And so you live through that. And, but what I love about you, Eric, is you came on the other side of that. I said, okay, here it is. Here it is. I repent. You repented. And now you started something else and you got back into the business that brought you and you're going to yeah. make this thing nationwide mega business. So go ahead and share that with us. So here's the deal. I made, like, I turned a million into like 5 million, right? I'll tell you what was really interesting and what changed my life is so you, we talked a little bit about when I was a kid and like all the trauma and truly on a timeline up until the stock market and like everything was on an ascent. Like my life had a lot of ups and downs, but overall I was climbing ladders my whole life. And when I reached this point, like when I would open up my phone in the mornings and see four or five million dollars, considering where I came from, truly in my soul. I hadn't made it. Mm -hmm. I was free. I didn't have to have my, I could have my phone on or off. I was free. I felt free, debt-free first time in my life. And in that moment, I was picturing what was next. And in that next picture, it was 10 million. It was 50 million. It was a hundred million. What caught, it was Ferraris. It was jets. Like I just knew that, if the history of my life was going to speak for me, then it was just going to keep going. But then in that, like you said, I was so in love with my decisions and not, I, I kind of got locked in and didn't allow myself to like, to go in and out of decisions, like is really good for entrepreneurs, like to just 
burn the ships at any moment. You have to be willing to burn ships at any moment. Amen. And I got stuck and I watched my accounts go from around four to 5 million all the way back down little by little to where we got a million. So I ended up burning through probably $3 million before I get, I called a buddy of mine who's a wealth manager and I called him crying. And I said, I'm addicted. I'm addicted. And so we stopped. I brought my wife into it and we stopped trading. We stopped it. And luckily I did it in a good time, right? My house was still paid off. Like, you know, I didn't have near that much money in the bank. I had started some other things, which we're going to talk about, but that was, here's what's crazy. And this is what changed my life. It'd probably be the greatest lesson of my life moving forward. I was more broken in my soul about losing that money than anything else up to that point. And I've done some bad stuff. Like I have a pretty rough past. And that right there told me that my heart was in the wrong place. When, When losing money affects you more than almost losing your marriage or being arrested or being on drugs or alcohol, whatever it is, you have a, I had, I had a serious problem and identity issue with money. And it took me almost a year to navigate that. And it was pain every day to restructure my spirit, my mind about that. And so thank God in that time frame of me, and this is the Lord, like, even when we're in the deepest mess and we don't even know it, He's like orchestrating your rebound, right? He's like, yeah, he's like, he already has the plan for you. And it's, you are already, he's already working on it. You're already working on it. You're just not even, you don't even know it exists. Right. And so of course, you know, I went to Kilimanjaro and I learned a lot and that may be for another podcast about God. And, And in short, in short, God showed me as I climbed that mountain that in life as a Christian, being acclimated, just like when you climb a mountain is extremely important because the truth is, I can honestly say this. My wife knows this. If I would have went from 4 million to 10 to a hundred right now, I'd probably be divorced. Mm. I'd have, you know, I'd be in a Ferrari Mm -hmm. and I would be this close to destruction. And I'm not saying Ferraris and hundred million dollars is bad because I want all that stuff. Sure. But But for me, yeah, I was becoming so reliant on my yeah. balances that Jesus became a very far like right. idea from my mind. <clears throat> yeah, and, and and that's so good, Eric. And I love you sharing that that story with us because listen, as an entrepreneur, sometimes we 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 identify more with our business card and our bank accounts than we do with Jesus. And we find our identity in it, especially those of the have success. Yeah. I mean absolutely, you know. And so, you know, what you're saying is really good because it's okay to have a hundred million dollars. It's okay to have a Ferrari. It's okay to have private jets. It is, but it's not okay to worship that. It's not okay to idolize that. It's not okay to love that uh, more than you love Jesus, more than you love your wife. And and he'll, and and he'll acclimate you. Like I, there's some Christians who truly like have their heart, like their heart's pretty solid and they Don't, you know, a lot of people judge people that have a lot, especially Christians, right? Like rich pastors Mm -hmm. and stuff like that. But you have no idea. They may have like their addiction might be peanut butter. Like they have maybe zero addiction. What they do behind closed doors is so solid that they can be entrusted with so much. And when you have a past and a history of trauma, like I have an addiction, like it's Mm -hmm. very easy for me to fall off. And a good father truly is not going to give me something that's going to destroy me. Doesn't mean I can't have it. It just means there's going to be an acclimation process. There's going to be a process in my life. Yeah. And accountability on that. And I I love that, Eric. And I think that that's such wise words. So, all right. So uh, yeah, because we could go into that whole deal, just in uh, Mount Kilimanjaro, Uh, that's a whole book in itself, which is a beautiful story. Uh, All right. But I want to, I want to get it. You, you, you got this business back again. You, you started another business, another nationwide side business, which is blowing up and tell me about what click done is doing. Tell me about that. Cause I I find this fascinating. Yeah, absolutely. So I got hit by vision from the Lord during the time I was at the peak 
of my stock trading, I was in this office downtown and every morning I would go into this office, you know, I look at my balance, I'd figure out what was going on. And, and then I started playing with my other ideas. And I would, I, for about two weeks straight, I was getting hit by the Lord. I'd go in there and I'd turn on an upper room praise prayer set and I would listen and I would just pray. And I started getting hit with crazy vision. And one of the things that initiated this was the pain that I went through in the service industry. And we would implement technology here and there, right? Like better systems for quoting and estimating and better systems for routing trucks. And so there is a lot of technology available. But one thing that I knew was probably one of the most painful things about a service industry is like going out and getting the jobs and then doing the job. So there's always this flux back and forth of like trying to get work and then performing the work, sales and fulfillment. Product industry has been automated for quite some time. Jeff Bezos and Amazon have perfected this process. It's like online website, you search, you can find pretty much anything you're looking for. And in a warehouse near you somewhere is that item. And there's a whole bunch of mechanisms that can get that to you quickly. You essentially get online, you see it, you're able to look at reviews, you see the pictures and it speaks to you, right? It's like a virtual store. Um, and so I, I understood, and especially during COVID, when we were getting pretty much everything shipped to our doors, and of course, we were big Uber Eats and DoorDash fans, you know, in the modern world, we don't cook a lot. And I mean, almost breakfast, lunch, and dinner were having delivered, and, and it got better and better. And I watched as Uber Eats and DoorDash, the app got better and better over that year, where I mean, I could see exactly what I was going to eat, and I could, you know, add this and, you know, just to track that create my order. And I'm like, wait a second, there's got to be a way to do this with the sod industry. And so I I always knew my prices. I knew we had products. Some people just want to buy the product and then we deliver it. We're kind of the middleman. And I also knew a lot of our business was installations, probably 90% of it. And I knew my prices. I, I know what it costs. And sure, right. There's a paradigm there of like a lot of contractors right. want to go out and look at the job, but a lot of stuff can be done, you know, with the satellite imagery now and Google maps. And truly, right. if you, if you know your business, you know, like the price variances and they're not that much. And so I was like, if I had a website, like an e-commerce store that could sell sod and, and the installation and give my customer options, like I could automate my sales process and quit sending a sales guy driving 300 miles a day in a company truck around town doing estimates and doing it the old school way. So dude, like this is crazy, but I had, I got hit with this whole vision of this thing. And then I, I went out to build it. Well, I couldn't do it on Shopify. I couldn't do it on Wix. I couldn't do it on Squarespace. I couldn't do it on all and I'm not going to go into a lot of the details on this call why, um, but they all these platforms were set up in the beginning and still run in the lane of product-based businesses. Mm. So I had a problem. And through a couple of miracles, which I mean, ta- I'm talking acts of God, I got a beta software created for this idea I had. So essentially the business that this year is tracking to do anywhere. I mean, minimum 5 million, but it's could easily do 15 to 20 million. Of course, we're, that's what we're busy with right now. I'm looking right here at a Slack screen of all the orders coming in today. And um, that, awesome, that company came through that beta software, the idea I got, the soft beta software that got made through a miracle. And this was just two and a half years ago. Last year was our first full year in business only one person ran the thing on the phone from their home office. And we did 1.7 million last year. Right now we're at like 994%. So like a 9.5 X increase. Um, and so in that though, the Lord said one thing, because you know what I was tempted to do, right? Michael, I was like, okay, I'm going to be the Amazon of home services. And I can do that. Like I could do that, but I, it was almost like the fear of the Lord. I kind of saw into the future of me building this business. And one of the steps of that business plan would be a lot of M&A, a lot of me going into cities and buying up existing businesses. So we're talking HVAC companies, plumbing companies, electrical companies, Mm -hmm. landscape companies, grocery store companies, and so on. If I'm going to be the Amazon home services, I'm going to be buying up all these businesses across the nation. 
And then I, I remembered the pain I went through selling my company. And I remember that it wasn't necessarily a great thing that I sold my company, right? Because right. on paper, it would have been better. We talked about this before. If I kept my company, I just couldn't emotionally handle it. So I felt like the Lord was like, Eric, you know, you're going to build the software. You're going to teach people how to do what you're doing now with the sod industry. You're going to empower every business out there, and not just in America, in the world, how to automate their sales process. Because things have changed a lot. And you can watch CNBC all day long, and they're going to mention about all the sticky points, like you know the jobs and the inflation and all this stuff. But I don't think people really understand. And this is the point right here. I don't think I don't think anybody's getting this because it's it's got to be received by revelation. We're entering into a new world where dreams, hopes, all the things that made me and you start businesses as young people, all those things are being done digitally now. Our That's dopamine, right. our all the things that bring us joy, they're creating falsehoods in our phone. We can have relationships on our phone. We can play video games and build empires on our phone. We can pretty much get those same feelings through our phone. And it's destroying our world. The very technology that's empowering our world is slowly destroying our world. It's true. So I thought back to Acts and I thought about when Jesus like was gone finally. And they were all in one place, in one accord, one heart. And the Bible says this, that no one was without. And I think back about the old economy. I think back when like, if you needed meat, there was a butcher in town. If you needed milk, there was the milkman. And everyone, I get it. We have to have dollars and Bitcoin and all these things. But I think that there's been a giant veil created that's made like this massive separation between the upper class and the lower class. True. And I believe that we're in a time when veils are being torn, when transparency is ruling the day. And it's just all God, right? Like he's just healing. And that's what ClickDone's about. We're going, we're building software that is going to, we're going to put it in the hands of anybody. And I'm talking about, you could just be a dog walker and we're going to give, we're you know, you're going to be a sole proprietor. You're going to walk dogs for a living. That brings you great joy. But we're going to give you technology that allows you to menutize your whole range of services. Because I don't know about you, but if I'm a dog walker, I'm going to charge more for walking a Rottweiler than I am a Shih Tzu. Yes. And, yes. Yes. And, and if I can menutize this, and I and then someone comes to me and says, "Hey, can I can I get on your calendar?" It's like, yeah, man, just go to my website. But here's the deal: they're going to go to the website and they're going to book the whole thing. They're going to pay for it. And then it's going to be on your calendar. And then you just wake up every morning and do. We just do. You know, it's not like the old days where you can just pay employees more money and they work harder. No, people want relationship. Like the only way you're going to get people to work harder is through relationship. It's through being a father, through being a mother. You can't build corporations anymore by just paying people more money. Like that concept of like more money doesn't matter anymore. No, it doesn't. The the paradigm has changed, and you know, uh, as you're describing this whole click done and what you've done, discovered to revelation from the Lord, it just it it's really inspiring, Eric. Because <clears throat> people are listening right now, thinking, "Man, this is I, you know why I, you know this should have been invented a long time ago, right?" And you stepped out, and you've done this, and you got this thing going. And uh, I, I really, truly believe that it, it listeners uh, listen to this, that, you know, you'll be seeing Eric probably on TV and in magazines in this process. Because this guy, I remember Stacy and I were sitting outside with Sarah and Eric uh, a few years ago. And Stacy said, you know, he's crazy enough to be in the, the next billionaire <laughs> in our tribe, you know. And and she said that as a compliment because you are you are very, very intelligent and you do have this crazy genius stuff about you. What I like is you see things, Eric, and you just go out and create it and figure it out and do it. And, it, it, and it's not a direct hockey stick. It's like you said, you always have been on ascent, but you've also had some valleys to go through in that process. And 
I just want you to know, man, I'm proud of you. Uh, I love what you're doing. I love the way you and Sarah, you know, parent your children and you stand out there and you do what you have to do to make it happen. So because uh, I obviously we're going to need another next podcast to talk more about this stuff and I, and get into yeah. Mount Kilimanjaro, too, because I really want the audience to get into that. So but before I uh, uh, say goodbye to you, I, wa- I want to ask you two things, which I ask everybody. Uh, first of all, what scripture are you sitting on right now? as such a successful entrepreneur, a great husband, almost, uh, all the time. <laughs> I know there's some down times, but a good father uh, and this creative genius that God's blessed you with. What scripture are you sitting on? And what books, if any, are you reading right now that might be interesting to the audience, Eric? Absolutely. So uh, scripture, I would say, I think it's John 15, 5. Um, and that's like the vine and the branches. And I think I've had a point in my life where I just realized that I can't do any of this without being attached. Um, and I was reminded of my first mentor in an old church I was at in my young twenties, uh, made me this massive like fireplace mantle that he carved with that verse in it. And, uh, and so wow. I have, I just pulled that out of all the unpacking stuff and I actually never displayed it. Like he made it for me years ago and I made, so there's a bar down here in my basement and the previous owner had massive things of alcohol on the bar. And of course it's tempting. You get a bar like, Oh, I got to fill up the bar. But I decided as an act of faith, like I'm going to put that mantelpiece on the bar. Come on, bro. And so that's what I do. So we're right out here in the kitchen. It's like, there's that thing. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, that, uh, is something that's going to be very important for me. It's good. And, uh, the second question you asked again was, Ah, books. So I'm a big believer in uh, when God's really running with you with vision to very to be very careful about relying on outside information, including books. I think they're great. I think mentorship is great. But when you're really called to be a forerunner, I think uh, so. To, I'm not reading any books right now, but mm-hmm. if I could recommend one to everybody, it would be Zero to One by Peter Thiel. And the book Zero to One, it just talks about creating new things. And we're in a time where it's not about necessarily adding onto things that are working. It's about being open enough and crazy enough to build something completely new, to get a new idea, like God's doing new things. And every monopoly, everyone remember this, every monopoly dies at some point. Mm -hmm. And it's usually, most people don't start something because they're like, oh, it's already been done. Or I'm too late to the game, right? Because people, they come up with this thing. It's like, oh, you got to be first, right? It's not true, actually. Almost every monopoly in history was replaced by the last one to the market. Mm-hmm. Everyone got ate up all the way through the 20 years of this certain monopoly or 50 years. But it was that last person who was in the right place at the right time with the new idea, just as the monopoly got too big for themselves. It was the new, the new idea that came Good. in and took it over. So zero to one walks through that really well by Peter Thiel. Sounds great. I love that. <clears throat> and who was the author? Peter Thiel. P- okay, cool. Yeah, awesome. large, large investor, right. founder of Palantir and PayPal. Yeah, no, that's it's a pretty good. It's a pretty good book to read, I'm sure. Uh, very impressive, man. I got to tell you, Eric. I thank you. I know we only scratched the scratch, man. There's so much more. And like I said, when you came to MBA, <clears throat> you blew away the crowd. And uh, you know, it was, it was a beautiful thing and you're sharing your heart and your ups and downs. Cause look, being an entrepreneur, it's not easy, you know, and you know, a lot of times people see successful entrepreneurs and they think, oh man, they're an overnight success. Not (laughs) it's, it's, it's a difficult thing, but it's a rewarding thing. And you are the epitome of that award and, and, and going through that, you know, success, failure, success. And I think it's really inspiring. And so, uh, yeah. So Eric, how can if somebody wants to get a hold of you yeah. and look at your deal or how do they get yeah. a hold of you? Yeah. So two things. Number one, uh, I also want to clarify that God's work miracles with my parents. I always tell my story, but I always want to make sure I get in there that both my parents love Jesus now and they're both Come in on, my bro. life and they're both amazing. Come on, um, man. I love that. My dad's upstairs helping my wife right now. I love and my it. Mo- my mom called me yesterday talking about God and she's just filled with the Holy Spirit. So God restores everything. 
So that's Amen. number one. Number two, click done. My developers say it's going to be live V1 on Monday. Now, yes! so this, this is amazing news. I'm not going to be advertising it until we work through it. Okay. And I'm going to be onboarding some companies. Okay. Uh, but I would say I'm not, I try not to be on social too much. I do have an Instagram out there. I do like Twitter. So I am on Twitter. I'm on Instagram. Uh, and of course, LinkedIn. And of course, Eric Bavang, there's not, I think I'm the only one in the world, uh, except for <laughs> some that spell it with K because it's a Norwegian name. So there's some Norwegian yeah, yeah. things, but uh, yeah, LinkedIn, Instagram, Twitter. And then of course the click done site uh, right now, it's like very simple. It's just a get update button. But within the coming week or two, it's actually going to be able to take you into the plans and pricing page where you're able to, you're going to be able to buy. Uh, yeah, you're going to have access and you're going to be able to build your own business. And I'm going to start having a training video on there, like a university. And this thing's going to blow up really fast. So just follow along. And uh, yeah, well, by the time this out. comes out, it'll be, <laughs> it'll be out. Excuse me. I'm sorry. Uh, yeah. So this is going to come out at the end of March, 1st of April. And so uh, is it clickdone.com? Yeah, just like it's spelled right there. It's just clickdone.com. And uh, the other business is localsodfarm.com. That's kind of the parent company of all the sod companies. So if anybody needs sod, obviously we're in 51 yeah. major yeah, cities I across the United States. I got to talk to you about some more of that myself. <laughs> all right, let me spell this for those that aren't watching this because uh, I wanted to spell this for those listeners. It's C-L-I-K d-o-n-e.com that's right so go check it out and uh uh and uh yeah eric i need to talk to you about some more sod too bro and let's so let's do it all right hey thanks so much man please tell sarah we said hello I, uh, I love what you're doing i love how you're out there and have you found a new church out there in georgia yet uh we know where we're going and we'll be there sunday but we just arrived like three days ago but we are going this sunday and we're really excited that's awesome. Awesome. And I just want to, I want to, you know, uh, let, let's do another podcast here in three or four months. I want to uh, track you because you're, yes. uh, you're, you're amazing. And I love what you're doing and I love how you're showing up in the marketplace with Jesus and mm -hmm. persevering. And so, uh, and I really want that book to be written, Eric. <laughs> I need, I'm going to need someone to write it for me. If you know I got you somebody that can okay. help you out with that. I got okay. somebody, buddy. We'll talk offline. So, <laughs> All right. well, thanks my man. You're the best man. I, I'm proud of you. And uh, yeah, I am. And uh, I love your humility. I love your genius. And uh, I love what you're doing in the kingdom marketplace. So God bless you, bro. Peace out. We'll talk soon. Thank you, Michael. And you're amazing. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Next Level Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, review, and share. For more resources to help you maintain your next level life, join our community at themichaelmcintyre.com.